Welcome to The Seller's Corner, an e-commerce podcast with real stories from real sellers. Each episode, we sit down with online sellers all across the globe and talk about overcoming challenges, scaling, and putting processes around their online businesses. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is Joanna, and I run marketing at Accelerlist. Today, we're talking to William, aka The Money Badger, and he's here to inspire you and help you on your seller journey. So, William, how are you? Is that what you want me to call you, William, or do you want me to call you the Money Badger? <laughs> yeah, you can call me William. You can call me Bill. You can call me the Money Badger. I've been married for almost twenty years, so there's probably not many things I haven't been called. <laughs> well, I think I'll stick to Bill. Maybe that might be easier for the podcast. <laughs> the Seller's Corner is all about people sharing their stories and how they got started selling online. So, so the why is probably more important, in my opinion. You know, I probably worked countless jobs that didn't seem to really invest in their people, you know, glass ceilings, you know, misrepresentations, that sort of thing. So you just, you kind of get tired of the rat race and try to look for an exit and reselling became just my exit. But it's funny because I met somebody just at a happenstance and we were actually looking to move to the Netherlands. And I took a temporary job in Tennessee with a best friend. And, you know, that turned out to not be the opportunity that was explained to me, but I ended up meeting somebody at a different job, introduced me to Gary V's content. And Gary V happened to have Reezy Resells on his podcast. And when he was like, yeah, so I did $500,000 last year selling used books, kind of like made me perk my eyebrows up and be like, interesting, got to look into this. I watched a ton of content and... You know, the rest is kind of history from there, but the why was just necessity. And I think necessity is just what drives a lot of us resellers. And the more of us that I talk to, the more I realize we come from very similar backgrounds, you know, more impoverished, not a lot of opportunities, poor education, maybe a broken home, government assistance, that sort of thing. So you develop skills that you don't really realize are skills or strengths until you have to lean on them. And when your back's against the wall, it gives you that ability to do so. The how would be grit, man, just grit. I started with a couple of books that we picked up at a Goodwill just to test the waters. My wife had some choice words for me saying, you know, hey, we're not selling these books. No one's buying these books. So I got news for you. It was the only time that I had ever been like, you know what? No, we're going to take a chance on this because I've done the same thing that I've always done forever. And the rest is history. We, we sold a couple books, reinvested every dime back into the business for the first six months and just snowballed from there. Last year, we fell just short of 250000 in sales. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, definitely life-changing, for sure. Like I find the reseller community really resourceful. I mean, you kind of have to be, I think, to get into this. Yeah, it's yeah. not for the faint of heart, for sure. Yeah. Like I kind of wish that when I was living in Jersey that I knew about all this stuff because I probably would have gotten into that for a while. I would I had nothing going for me. So I feel like when I hear these stories, I'm like, damn, I should have done this. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, where we all come from very similar backgrounds where, you know, I'm college educated. I have a degree in finance and it just I could blow my nose in it. That's how valuable the degree is. Like right after the 2008 recession. No one's hiring in finance. No one's going to trust somebody right out of college with their nest egg after they lost 60% of their portfolio. And for the next 10 years, I couldn't find a position in my field of expertise. So 
you know, you take these jobs just to make ends meet. And then you realize that job after job after job, there's just not a lot of opportunity and really start questioning what your skills are, what your strengths are. And, you know, you just kind of stumble into it and realize that you're really good at it. And you go from there. I've been like looking at your stuff on TikTok and Instagram and stuff. And I noticed that you give a lot of information for free, which I think a lot of people in your position probably wouldn't do that. They would try to make a buck out of that. I'm interested or I'm intrigued to know why you don't charge for the information. Uh, So for me, it's about paying it forward and legacy. So it's not necessarily making the money because I believe money is a byproduct of doing the right thing. And I think that the universe always finds a way to find balance. And the more that you can skew it to a positive outlook with the like imbalance, then the universe is going to try to overcorrect and reward you. So I try to give as much as I possibly can away for free. And you know, a little piece of that too is the Gary Vee approach where you play the long game and it's not necessarily the short term and how to make a quick buck. It's about not monetizing your audience right off the bat. And, you know, sometime in the future, I may sell, sell a, an ebook or a course or on something completely unrelated to books. And because I've provided so much value up front, people will feel compelled to want to help me out. You know, so it's about that jab, 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 right hook that Gary Vee always preaches about. And I, I can't help but think that there's a huge part of his philosophy that's kind of still floating around. But for me, it's money is just a byproduct of doing the right thing. So doing the right thing is always the right thing. I find that really like inspiring, even in other aspects of my life. Like I was watching your videos and it just felt like really inspiring. There's like one part where you're like talking about like right now, there are people out there who have waited their entire life to watch you fail. Don't let it happen. If I were a betting man, I'd bet on you. And I was like, oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like, I think you also hit other people, not just like, the seller community. I think you've gone beyond that border. <laughs> I would say too, the, especially in the last six months, my content's kind of evolved too as well. I don't really have to focus on just the reseller community. I think the message that I get out is just that no one's going to be there to care about you. So you have to care about you. And if we can all care about each other, then we can at least have that community. And that's kind of what I've tried to build both on my Discord and my Facebook community, rather than just have a group of people all seeking the same nickel. They're there willing and and, excited to really help one another out and say, look, we're all bridge builders. We crossed that river. So our job is to just make that bridge easier to cross for those people coming on after us. And I think that that snowball effect over the next year, two years, 10 years is going to have a compound effect because what you'll find is you'll have a group of people that are professionals within their own fields and their own rights that now can create this larger, you know, community of people willing to help as a lawyer or a notary or a realtor or whatever their field is outside of the reselling community. But because they all had that camaraderie within that one community, now that they're able to actually help each other outside of that and go into other aspects of their life. And you mentioned like the Facebook group. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Like why you started it? I mean, I guess it's also to help others, but... The Facebook community I call the hive mind, it's really kind of what it is, is just a collective. You know, I was kind of a sci-fi nerd growing up, so huge influence there with like the Borg from Star Trek or, you know, any of those other, you know, single-minded unity-like civilizations, if you will. 
you know, that we can kind of come together with a single purpose of survival and see where it goes. And it's just, it's starting to grow now at larger rates per day and it's taking a mind of its own, but it's not like something that you have to really police. So when you go in there, you can really ask a question and get a genuine answer. It's really an amazing thing to see. And it's kind of like raising a child. Like you see it grow up from a very small infant to now like adolescence and eventually into adulthood and see it blossom and everybody comes along with it. And then like they share their successes, their failures, uh, struggles, they'll answer questions, ask questions, tell stories. It's it's really, really nice. And it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. I'm part of like the online book community. So a little bit of how that feels to just find a group of people or like-minded people where you can, in my case, geek out on books. <laughs> but yeah, it's always nice to find a group that you can join is the word. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I think the thing that we've all been missing and and on Clubhouse, uh, the new social media that's been like taking everybody by storm that's invite only. The one thing that I've found there is the resellers that have come together, it's like we found our tribe, you know, and it's like it's nice to be a part of a tribe. It's it's nice to feel like you're at home with something or a group of people because you share the same struggles, you share the same interests, you can geek out about certain things. And they get it. Like they get the lingo, they get the message, they get the struggle. Like they understand completely. Do you think the past year kind of helped create this group or like helped grow the tribe, as you say? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think that not only is everybody fed up with what happened, and I mean, it feels like we had all of 2020, it feels like every single day we had a major historical event happen. And it's like the only thing we left out was an alien invasion. You know, but it feels like even the beginning of 2021 is just 2020 2.0. You know, oh, like God, I feel yeah. like it's just continuing. And I think that it's just nice to see everybody that, and they're from all walks of life, you know, so it's, it's, it's construction workers and policemen and, you know, and everybody. And it's like everyone's just fed up with the status quo and, you know, working two thirds of their life to live maybe five years out of 80 you know, mm-hmm. free, like truly free. So, I mean, I think we're all put here for a bigger purpose. And I don't think that working 10 to eight, six days a week or four days a week or five days a week, whatever, whatever your schedule is, is, is really what we were supposed to do. I think we were meant to have fun and interact with each other and travel and, you know, just kind of like expand our minds and expand our horizons and just live, you know, live life to the fullest because you don't know what tomorrow brings. That's very true. I agree with you. Like 2021 definitely feels like the sequel. <laughs> and like we all know sequels sometimes are terrible. And for me, I lost a friend recently and he passed away and that was just enough's enough. <laughs> exactly. Like how many people lost somebody in 2020, you know? Like yeah. I think 2020 leaves a scar for all of us and for some people, it's a scar where they don't know what to do with it and they feel ashamed or embarrassed to carry it. But for some of us, it's like, look, I survived. You know, I survived 2020. I came out stronger. I came out knowing things I didn't think I could do about myself, you know, and my situation. And I'm taking control. And I think that's really empowering for a lot of people. Do you think that maybe the seller community has also grown out of, I think a lot of people lost their jobs, maybe out of necessity joined? Yeah, for sure. 
I know in speaking with, you know, several, I guess you call them OGs, you know, in the community, their communities have grown. I know my community has grown. I know that like Amazon experienced something like 10 years of growth in the first like eight months of 2020. I would say for sure that the reselling community has grown because the majority of Amazon's revenue comes from third-party sellers. To kind of like get a little bit into your space and how you do things, like what does a typical workday look like for you? Or is it different every day? It's kind of different every day, but for the most part, I guess on average throughout the entire year would be you know, Monday through Friday, we try to do as much sourcing as possible so we can list on the weekend. But here lately, we've changed things and we kind of go, you know, four or five days in a row, sick if the getting is good. You know, you got to get as much as you can while you can. Then we try to spend two or three days solid just listing them and getting, you know, items for sale because you're not making money unless it's actively for sale. There's a small portion of my day where I'm trying to expand into new marketplaces. Like right now, I'm about 95% used books and I'm about 5% retail arbitrage, online arbitrage. And I think by the end of 2021, I'd like to make a transition to about 70% wholesale and 30% books and retail arbitrage. And then hopefully by the end of 2021, or sorry, 2022, I'll be 100% wholesale or maybe 90% wholesale and maybe 10% private label where we're trying to develop a product or service that we can market across you know, Shopify, Amazon, eBay, that sort of thing. What are some of the challenges that you faced in 2020 with all of this? I mean, I know that e-commerce boomed, but I'm, I'm sure there must have been some challenges with the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Huge challenge for us uh, was March and April, uh, where Amazon wasn't accepting books. And that was our real first test, because up until that point, reselling used books on Amazon was almost autopilot. It was like, you send books in, they disappear, you get money. You know, but when Amazon turned that faucet off, it makes you have to pivot and it really tests your ability to do so and tests how strong your mind is and how invested you are emotionally into the project. So we had to start selling other things. And that's where, thankfully, we had a really good reputation with Amazon at the time. We were ungated in grocery and topicals and health and beauty automatically and video games. So we started to look to some of our liquidation stores around here or like the clearance sections at supermarkets. I can't tell you how much money I made off of ramen in April, but I mean, we, we 3X'd our, our normal sales volume in April and they weren't accepting books. So it was a true testament to if you can pivot, there's plenty of stuff out there. So when that really opened our eyes to just how much Amazon sells and how many people and how many eyeballs are on the platform. So you don't have to sell used books. If you can sell a product that's profitable on Amazon, sell it. Like sell anything you possibly can because to make a buck, it's there. Like you don't have to settle. You don't have to say, oh, well, I only know clothes or I only know shoes or I only know sports cards. Sell all of it because if it's profitable, you got to make the money while you can so you can save that cash so you can experiment with your business. At least 20% of your income should be experimenting in new fields because you never know what's going to happen. Really game changing for us. You definitely don't know what's going to happen. My husband is a sound tech for musicians and touring bands, and he's been out of work for almost a year. So this is something that we never expected. You know, He always had consistent yeah. amount of work. So yeah, you always have to plan ahead, have something to fall back on because you never know. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Well, what's he doing? Um, has he gotten creative with his skill set to see if there's a way he can monetize his skills otherwise? 
I think for him, it's just been really difficult, like mentally, like mental health wise. So yeah, currently I lose your identity almost. Yeah. Cause you're used to traveling the world and being on stages and all of a sudden it's gone (laughs) and everything you worked for is just gone. Poof. Yeah. So that's been difficult. And you know, he just tries to be creative on his own hobby stuff and we're able to like do that and let him have that time. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to pressure him to work or do anything at the moment because it's, it's difficult on him. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's crazy because you could work your butt off and think you have everything down and think you've got a very conservative strategy. You're not really taking a ton of risk, but what you don't realize is that no matter what you're doing, you're, you're working capital for somebody else. And the second you stop being profitable for them, they're going to let you know. Music industry is one of the industries just governments seem to have forgotten about, I think. <laughs> We're getting through it. And that's, I think, the most important thing because there's a lot of people that are struggling. So I'm, I'm grateful. And that's... Yeah, I think there's, there's a whole other aspect to that too. And that's outside of the work. That's outside of the money. That's just the strain that it puts on a relationship. You really get to do, like figure out you know, how close you are to that individual and whose fight or flight mechanism is aimed in a specific direction. And I think that there's a lot of people that have struggled with their relationship during the pandemic. And it's, I'm sure you've had your own struggles, but you, you mentioned your husband, not your ex-husband. So my, my hat's off <laughs> to you for surviving that one, you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely a test. And we've seen our friends like left and right kind of like break up and end relationships and marriages. And I'm just sitting back like, uh, no. <laughs> we're writing this out. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I, we bicker, we fight, you know, like any couple to do, but at the end of the day, we're like, I'm sorry, but I'm too competitive for this. So I'm not going to quit before you quit. So <laughs> that's a great way um, to look at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm sorry, but there's no way you're getting rid of me. <laughs> it's like achievement unlocked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm a professional button pusher. So at this point I just, I aim to have fun with the arguments. I don't plan to win. I just, I plan on having fun with them. What do you think is like your biggest failure so far? And what did you learn from that experience? Well, the biggest failure I have professionally is just not, not seeing a college education for really what it was. Because I think that if I could go back in time, I think that like there's tons of missed opportunities, right? So a college education is really, it's great for certain things. And if you, if you live on campus, you go to a, a top tier school, it's really great for networking, right? But the, at the end of the day, the education really isn't something that's going to be a life-changing moment for you. So be prepared that if you're you know, going to spend $50,000 on an education, that you're going to get that return on your investment that you're looking for. I would say that like personally, my biggest failure, just consistency going forward. Like there's so many things that I just look back on and it's just like, if I was more consistent with these things, could I have avoided situations that came up during the pandemic? You know, because I think that like, again, it just comes back to like those missed opportunities. And it's like, where would you be if you were 1% better, even 1% more organized, just 1% would that have put you in a position that when something happens, and that's the problem with like self-reflection is just like, you look back and you're like, man, there's so much I could have done if I just did X, Y, and Z, like exercise and weight loss, right? So if somebody wants to lose weight, it's really, it's, you could lose a ton of weight in the course of a year just by losing one pound a week. So somebody that wants to lose a ton of weight, 
one pound a week doesn't sound like much, but you have to break that down even further to those consistent efforts to meet that goal. And I think that like for me, not breaking down my goals into what specific things have to be done to hit those small goals that will add into those larger goals. That's my biggest failure because I'm starting to do that now and it's showing results. And that's even more of a dig at my own self. Like my own ego is just like, man, this is just proof to the pudding that it works. Why didn't I do that in the past? We all get wrapped up in our day-to-day activities and we think, oh, well, we'll get to this. We'll get to that. And you don't realize just how much those little things add up into big things. And everyone overestimates what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And that's the problem. That's where the disconnect. We realize just how much we could do a one-year span just by doing like X amount of things in a two-week span. Then it would add up and we would be even more infinitely like impressed with ourselves and happy and content. Like happiness and contentment is the whole damn that's the whole goal. If you can be happy and you can be content, then you succeeded. I wrote a book in 2016. It's like 70,000 words that I wrote down. And the only thing I really need to do is edit it and maybe send it out to like an agent or self-publish it. I've talked myself out of it for the past like five years. <laughs> so why? What, what's the disconnect there? Like if you've already got it done for the most part, like what's holding you back? Is it a fear? Is it like imposter syndrome? I'll tell you right now, imposter syndrome is a real thing. It is a real thing that everyone struggles with. I'm telling you right now. Oh yeah. It's definitely imposter syndrome. Like I'm nah, this isn't for me. Like this no, nah, I can't write. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a published author. I'm not I'm not good enough to have a best selling book. Like do it, you know, do it. And if you fail, you still won because you learned what you did wrong, right? Or you will learn. You'll take a look at it. I know you will. I mean, you have over 300,000 followers on TikTok. So there's plenty of people that I think feel the same. It factor. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. People seem to enjoy the content, but there's always people out there that keep you humble for sure. Like There's definitely an entire subset of my following that wants to keep me into a box. We really enjoy your content, but you should stick to X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, I don't think so. And I have a problem with authority. So now I'm going to do the opposite for a week. <laughs> so I was probably a very bad employee to be, if I'm being completely honest. I can't say that. I've always tried to be like a really good employee, but that's just like my anxiety kicks in and I'm like, no, I can't get fired. <laughs> exactly. Like that's the only thing that really kept me in line for, you know, 20 years or whatever is... You know, okay, well, what happens if I get fired? What happens if I lose my job? Now I got to go find another job. I don't want to have to do that. So I'd rather just stay in my current situation, hate it just a little bit less, and I'll be okay. And just you get to a point where it's like, you know what? No, enough is enough. This is me. This is what I want. I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to do it and I'm going to damn well try to do it until I die. And if I can't figure it out, then that's on me. But at least I can't say when I'm 75 that I didn't try. That's a great point. Like I personally currently, love what I do. But I also, I'm very creative. Obviously, I like to write and I like doing that. I like to do that stuff as a hobby or like on the side. I enjoy what I do now. There's no reason for me to end that to become a writer. I can write on the side, you know, if I get over this imposter syndrome. (laughs) But, But you see what it is there though, is like, again, Money's not the motivation. It's a byproduct of doing what you love and doing the right thing. So if, if you have a thought or a message that you need to get out, then write it. Do it. 
you know, because even if you change the life of one person that reads something you write, then you did your job. You did what you were supposed to do because the universe told you that you had to get this message out. You don't know why, and you won't know for six years, a year, 10 years, whatever. But at some point, you're going to be able to look back and be like, you know what? That's why I was supposed to do that. Like, for example, we lived in Florida in 2016. We went to the Netherlands. We went to Italy. We were there for almost a month. And we came back and we were just like blown away by the culture, the people, the environment, the food, like just the entire experience was amazing. So we studied Dutch for about a year and a half. We bought one-way tickets. We were ready to go. And I came up to Tennessee just out of happenstance to take a temporary job to save some extra cash with that best friend. It didn't work out. The best friend turned out to be not so best of a friend, burned the bridge. But because that happened and because all of those events took place and because I was frustrated with my current situation to go to Europe, all of those events fell into place and we moved here, had that bad experience, found a different job in Alabama, which is the next state over. And a week later, somebody got hired named Ashton, who I still to this day credit with everything that's happened since then. Because I had no idea who Gary V was. And I would not be on this path right now if I had not met him. And I would not have met him if I had not gone to take a temporary job on the way to Europe. And because he introduced me to Gary V's content, I watched like a thousand hours or fifteen hundred hours of content, learned how to sell books, learned how to do retail arbitrage, learned how to like be self-sufficient and say, you know what, enough is enough. But I didn't know at the time. I looked back a year later and I said, you know what? This is why we were friends. This is why I met you. And I'm eternally grateful because I met him, because all of these other things, these other opportunities have come up. So the only thing I can possibly do is pay it forward and hopefully change the life of one person. I get messages on the daily that I've given them hope when they had none. I've changed their life. They're forever grateful, blah, 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 blah. The thing is, don't pay me back. Do pay it forward. You know, give it to somebody else that needs it. The next time you encounter somebody that seems like they need help, just do it. Do it selflessly. Don't do it with the anticipation of getting a payback or making money and just help somebody else out. And if you do that consistently, the universe will pay you back. I guarantee it. You talk about these billionaires and millionaires that like are big philanthropists that actually try to do good. And they all have the same kind of message. With those ones that do that, they have the same message. Give. You may not have money to give, but if you give time, you give authenticity, you give like emotion and investment to that person, and they may not pay you back, but the universe will be thrown askew. And when it finds balance, it's going to come back to give you balance. Yeah. I'm like almost speechless because it's hitting me a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. Don't worry. <laughs> I think like for the past year, just seeing like the person I love struggle a little bit. And then I wholeheartedly believe, as you say, like the universe is going to eventually come back and show me that I was doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I was raised too. like, I was Roman Catholic, you know, like big religious family. And it just, it hit me the wrong way. It always felt wrong. It felt like organized religion for me. And not to knock anybody else's beliefs, for me, it felt like it was strained. It felt like I was being force-fed religion. And so when I say universe, I don't necessarily mean like a higher being, but I feel like the energy, like one of the laws of dynamics, like thermodynamics says that energy can't be created or destroyed, just transferred. 
So when you talk about that with like physician, like physics, like physics scientists, they always talk about like the positive and the negative and like how it's got to like find equilibrium. And even like you talk about economic, the market finds equilibrium. There's so many common like thought processes across all these different fields of study. It only makes sense that the universe as a whole will find that equilibrium. And all I can do is try to throw it askew and throw it off balance so that it's throwing off balance the right way. It'll definitely come back to me, but it'll come back to somebody and that, that somebody that really needs it. Cause it, I'm sure you've seen this too, where like you were down and out, you're in a bad situation. Isn't it funny that you always find just the right amount of money to get you out of that situation when you actually need it? Like it's not more than you need. You don't have a huge come up and make like $20,000, but if you need $318, damn if I'm not wrong, if you'll find $320, man, if you could just do that on a larger scale, it just happens like, I don't know, but yeah, that's my whole thing is just, you know, how am I going to be remembered when I'm not around? Is anybody going to show up to my funeral? How will my kids look back or their kids or their grandkids? Because everything I do on the internet is going to be there forever. So when they look back in 60 years and they look it up and say, you know what? Great grandpa was on to something. Or would they say, you know, he's off his rocker. He's just a creep. You know, so it's like, hopefully it's the first, but we'll see what happens. Um, so since you like to help, what are some tips and tricks you would share with someone starting out and trying to sell online on Amazon? Or Yeah. So most people don't realize this, but they probably have anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000 worth of stuff in their house they don't touch, they don't use. So shop your house. If you think you don't have money, to get started or to start your own business or to do what you're really passionate about, shop your house, go through and take an inventory of stuff you haven't touched and then look up the comps on eBay. That's what we did. So like when we really wanted to jump in, we, we bought a couple of books, but when we saw success, we were like, okay, we need more capital because more capital is going to give us leverage. So what we did was we went to the garage, the back room, the utility closet. We found old Pyrex dishes. We found yard signs for ADT. We found tools we found stuffed animals then we sold that on ebay so you can go through your closet garage your attic your kids room maybe toys they don't play with and instead of donating it for a tax write-off which is a whole other tangent sell it on ebay you know because you, we found vintage stuffed animals that sold for like 50 dollars. we were selling used yard signs for adt on ebay for 20 dollars a piece and really <laughs> there's a whole market of people that will buy these yard signs that you get for free from ADT and these other like home security system places and they'll, they'll sell them and they'll buy them on eBay and they'll put them in their yard and it's a deterrent. It's a, Hey, I've got ADT. Do you want to take a chance that I don't? While I don't advocate that as a security measure, like there's an entire marketplace out there. I mean, you to find a vintage teddy bear that sells for 50 bucks or a vintage Pyrex dish that we can sell for 50, 75, a hundred dollars. I'm guaranteeing the majority of people out there that want to get started have no idea that there's used or a brand new VHS cassette tapes that sell for, you know, $20 a piece, you know, old technology, like you, you name it. You'd be surprised if you just spend an afternoon searching on eBay for the weirdest things. I found somebody selling a box of acorns that they picked up out of their yard. Probably like you can sell anything. That's my biggest thing. You could probably get a thousand to five thousand dollars doing that. As you say that, I'm looking around. I'm an avid reader, so I'm surrounded by books and not books that I plan to sell. But I'm looking around and I'm like, I probably am sitting on 
a bunch of cash. Knock on wood. But it's like uh, people look at books like two different ways. It's either garbage or like, oh, well, I'm going to get around to reading it. And then most people don't read the books or maybe they've read them and they're like, well, maybe I'll read it again. And then they never do. It's like, what's the nerdiest thing you own? And you pop out a 50th anniversary edition of The Hobbit. I like my soul left my body. <laughs> It's funny too, because the person that did the video prior that I duetted had the same thing. And he's a book, he was an old bookseller and now he does like retail arbitrage. So it just, it lends more credence to like, I'm in the right tribe because I'm finding people that have the same things in common, just out of happenstance. So it's like, yep, I'm at home. I found the right tribe. I like to ask this question. What's like a big dream that you're trying to achieve with all of this? Well, my big dream when I first started was being debt-free, you know, because debt-free is the new millionaire. But nowadays, we're pretty close to that. So the next goal we have is to sell the house, buy an RV, take the show on the road, because then it's true freedom. You're not tied to one place because most people that own a house, they're tied to that house. If you drive your house <laughs> or you tow your house, your house is wherever you are. And if I want to spend a, a month abroad, I can spend a month abroad and park the house in airport parking. So that, that's the next short-term goal. Aside from that, I don't necessarily want to retire because I love what I do. I don't, I don't want to cash out. You know, like everyone says, have an exit plan. Man, this is my exit plan. This is amazing. I get to spend every waking moment with my kids. And I mean, we're, you're talking about somebody that used to work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week in a kitchen. And there were days where I would leave for work before they got up. And I would come home after they went to bed. So you're talking about weeks at a time where I wouldn't see my kids or interact with them. And I get to spend every time, like every minute I can with them now. You know, we thrift together, we homeschool, we, we go on vacations together. I get to spend every waking moment with my wife. Like I'm living my dream. Like this is my dream. I'm loving it. I'm so content, so happy right now. Like I don't stress about money because I know how to make it teaching my kids they don't have to be dependent on somebody else to give them a job they know how to make their own money so if they run into a job where they don't like it they don't like their boss and they want to do their own thing they know how to do that like looking for value where there's not, like normally nobody looking at that as valuable it's amazing feeling to know you have that in your back pocket if you could be mentored by anyone in history who would it be alexander the great he went way back <laughs> yeah and the reason i say that is because he took over so much like space, like before it really became unsustainable, you have to have the ability to network. You have to have the ability to build systems and put them in place. You have to have certain levels of confidence and you have to have a certain level of swag. Like I think at least to hang out with him for a week or a month would be amazing. You know, like just to see, just to be a fly on the wall for some of those conversations. I think that would be an amazing thing to see. Final nugget of information that you can share to the people listening, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people who will listen to this will get really inspired by a lot of what you've said. But one last nugget. Like, don't stop. There's going to be tough days. Document your journey, because even if you don't document it and publish it for all the public to see, do it for yourself. Go on TikTok, record those videos, make them private, because there's going to be days where you have tough days, where you have a struggle, where you're like, man, am I really doing the right thing? You start to question, you know, should you be doing this or should you be doing something else? And if you go back and you look at that in six months or a year, you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe I've come so far in such a short amount of time. And it'll, it'll reinvigorate your focus and your determination 
and it'll keep you going. So if with anything else, document your journey. If it's just for you, that's perfectly fine. Make it public. But what I'm saying is you're going to want to go back. You're going to want to watch it. You're going to have a tough day. And when you have those tough days, it's going to be really nice to see yourself in such a positive mindset, successful, killing it, making progress, hitting your goals, having those amazing days. And then you're going to look back and you're like, you know what? I'm definitely doing the right thing because I was that person. I was happy. I love doing this. And it'll, it'll recharge your batteries because there's going to be times where your batteries get depleted. Thank you so much for coming on the seller's corner and sharing all that information. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Seller's Corner. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please send an email to podcast at accelerlist.com. Accelerlist also offers a generous 21-day free trial when you enter coupon code PODCAST on the registration page. Now is the time to start with Amazon and break into freedom with your own business.